February 10th, 2017. My name is Kellen Conley, and this is Hyphen Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to the show of shows, the greatest podcast of all time. Yeah. The world's greatest podcast. I can't believe I mess up my own tagline so much. That just, that bugs me. I, whenever I'm writing it, it comes out the world's greatest podcast. When I say it, it's like, the greatest podcast today. And I'm like, no. The world's greatest podcast. I am looking out across Morgantown. Live from Law School Hill. There in Morgantown, West Virginia. Guess what? It snowed. A couple days ago it was 60 then it snowed then we almost got a blizzard then it went back to snowing now all is calm but the ground is white episode 30 go get my drink champs on yeah Woo! makes noise episode 30 everybody yeah yeah that's what I'm talking about 30th episode 52 weeks in a year I'm 22 short of having 52 episodes in 2016. This is only my second episode of 2017. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I I haven't been sleeping well. Work's got me exhausted most of the time. So by the time Aaliyah goes down, I'm like, all right, this will be the perfect time to podcast. Nah. I'm just going to sit here and eat this popcorn and watch Breaking Bad again. Or The Wonder Years. Or Scrubs. One of those shows. Sit here and watch the New Edition special. Can we talk about how great the New Edition special was real quick? The New Edition story on BET. <clears throat> I knew it was going to be three nights going in. I didn't expect it to be that good, though. I thought it'd be cool. But man, was it good. It was really good. Shout out to BET and all the actors and fine people that went into that production. And of course, the original New Edition who had their input onto the show, into the story. They all got their checks. BBD just put out a new album. That's Bell Biv DeVoe for you, New Jacks called Three Stripes. I'm going to check that out in the near future. I ain't listened to a Bell Biv DeVoe album since the first one. I think they got at least this might be their fourth, maybe. But you know who really needs to drop an album right now? Before the the iron is completely cooled off? Ralph. Ralph is the only dude who didn't blow up from New Edition on a solo tip. Because, as they said in the movie, Bobby beat Ralph to what Ralph should have been doing when he made Don't Be Cruel. 
Bobby made Don't Be Cruel and Ralph was still a new edition because MCA wouldn't release a solo album. They said, we want you to do another new edition album, then we'll do your solo album. So Bobby did Don't Be Cruel, which really should have been what but Ralph was doing. Ralph went and did Heartbreak, which I love. I love Heartbreak. But Ralph should have been the one to put out Don't Be Cruel. Don't Be Cruel came out massive. Heartbreak came out massive. Belbiv DeVoe came out massive. Johnny came out massive. Ralph came out. It's cool. Ralph caught that last in the group to go L. Kind of like everybody who went after, I'm trying to think, Ghostface, I guess. (laughs) And Wu-Tang did, excuse me. Because it's like meth, ODB, Ray, Ghostface. And then who's left? Let's see. Oh, Jizza. Then you have RZA. Never really had that classic Wu album. You had Deck. Never had that classic Wu album. You God. Barely got it album out. Took him years. Master Killer. Hell, Capadonna had an album for Master Killer and You God, I'm pretty sure. So he caught that last person out, L. And then the sound changed. <coughs> also, thanks to Michael Bivens, Boys the Men showed up and Jodeci had showed up. And all of a sudden, these new acts were completely dominating the charts and everybody from New Edition is trying to catch up and they just never did. But I do love the Home Again album from 1996. Too bad that tour was a complete disaster. So that's why I haven't podcasted. I've been staying up on things, though. I got I got topics ready up to episode 32. But there's something very important that we need to get to first. This is the first question and answer episode of Hyphenation. I did this because, one podcaster friend, good friend, well, maybe not good friend, my friend, Michael Bailey, who does Views from a Long Box, among other many podcasts, and also runs the Fortress of Bailey Tube website. He would do mailbag episodes, and people would send him emails, whatever, and he would sit there and answer them. And so when I first started really podcasting back in the day, which I'm going to get into in 31, Maybe 32, because I have a lot of topics on 31. When I started podcasting back in the day, I was like, I want to get to that point where people send me questions, yada, 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 yada. And then, of course, I discovered Bill Simmons way late. I'd say it was like 2011 I discovered Bill Simmons. And he would do the mailbag columns. I always thought those were cool. And question, maybe I'm just stupid, But are those real questions or is he just right the entire thing? Because I always felt like I was good at telling when he was making making things up as he went along in the mailbag. But the last one I read, which I think was the one about Aaron Rodgers taking uh, Eli's spot as the luckiest quarterback in the NFL after uh, the, the Packers advanced to the NFC Championship, I was reading some of them. I'm like, man... This really reads really well. Like, he's transitioning awful well between the questions to 
his answers to the next questions. Now, either he really diligently just goes through his mail and make that work, <clears throat> excuse me, or he writes the whole damn thing himself. If he writes the whole damn thing himself, that's a little disappointing, but it would make more sense. But I digress. Neither here or there. So this is the first Q&A episode of Hyphenation. I am super glad to be here with y'all on this lovely afternoon in Morgantown, West Virginia. So I guess we should just get into it. So I got a couple emails, both from Marcus Robinson. One is with some questions because he's like the first person to respond when I said I want to do a Q&A episode because Marcus represents. That's why he is a sponsor of the show. If you want to check him out, always go to the Mark, the M-A-R-C, Rob, R-O-B, dot WordPress, dot com. He's putting out some new heat like twice a week now. <clears throat> writing, writing, he's writing great things, man. He's, he's really doing his thing. I'm really proud of what he's doing every time he posts something. First one to respond. He also emailed me a response to my last episode that I'm going to read. And then I have a Facebook group uh, chat, Facebook group chat that I started that has a bunch of questions posed by people I know listen to the show. So while I didn't get the response I was hoping for yet, I still have plenty of uh, plenty of material to go off on. So let's get into it. Dated November 27, 2016. <laughs> Yo, Kellen, what's good? I hope you and the fam are enjoying the holiday season so far. Not sure when you're going to be answering questions on the pod, but I'll send a few your way for shits and giggles. You don't have to answer them all. My heart won't break. I'll keep them as random as possible. Number one, greatest wrestling stable, NWO or D-Generation X or The Field. Ooh, man, I'm going to try not to sit in silence while I think on this. Of course, 1998 was the year I came back to wrestling and stayed until I went to college in 2001. That was the year that it was two years after NWO was popping, but the Wolfpack was popping and I was a big fan of the Wolfpack. The second incarnation of D-Generation X had just come in after Stone Cold won the championship from Shawn Michaels. And then there's the field which immediately includes the Four Horsemen. Then you have Evolution. Then you have the Corporation. WCW really didn't have too many because like, I'm trying to think of that stable that Paul, Paul Heyman was in, that uh, stunning Steve Austin was in at one point. Um, but they, they didn't make much noise. They only did it for they had a, their moments, you know. The four horsemen were the four horsemen were forever. Pretty much until the NWO showed up. And D Generation X has had four different or three different runs. Technically two, but two different eras. And the NWO was just so good. Then you have the Bullet Club now. The New Day is kind of a stable, but they're they're still more of a tag team. Evolution. I might have already said evolution. Um, Straight Edge Society. Again, that was more punk, though. <sighs> All right. <clears throat> so really, it comes down to DX, NWO, or Four Horsemen. The ultimate lineup of Four Horsemen, of course, is Flair, Arn, 
Ollie. And uh, I'm doing all self cuff because my phone's at 11 percent, and I'm not go- I'm not hitting the Googler today. And the other guy, <laughs> whatever group Ollie was in before they kicked him out, was the best four horsemen. But any incarnation has to have flair and art. So in all the late 90s ones doesn't don't really count. Because Flair and Arm was taken out, Arm by injuries and Flair just storyline or whatever, I'm going to have to take them out. As much as I love the Four Horsemen, I'm going to have to take them out. Oh, all right, DX and WL. The NWO was so awesome. But then it got so ran into the ground. But you got to think, when they showed up in 96, from 96 until they did the finger poke in 99, I mean, they were... The NWO showed up. You paid attention. Once the finger poke happened, they tried to bring in both sides, all the, the wolf pack and the... Um, Hollywood back together and that's when people start getting hurt and WCW was faltering anyway. So once that happened, it kind of, kind of fell off. But man, like when Hall, Nash and Hogan first got together and started adding little pieces, like 97 was all, was all NWO. And then you got DX, which was of course Sean and Rude and China and Triple H Sean retired after he dropped the strap to Austin. Then Triple H reformed with Road Dogg and Billy Gunn, New Age Outlaws, and X-Pac. And it was them for a while, even through Triple H's heel turn. And eventually that gave way to the McMahon-Helmsley deal. I can't think of official titles right now. I feel bad. But then, of course, they finally reformed in 2006 when Sean had came back from retirement. And it was Sean and Hunter. And they had a long run in 2006 up until Hunter hurt himself in 2007. And then they did one more run right before Sean's last match with Undertaker at WrestleMania 26. I'm going to say, I'm going to say New World Order. I'm going to say New World Order, man, because despite it being completely stolen from New Japan, the idea of the New World Order. The idea of Hogan turning, because Hogan had never turned like that before. Hogan had always done heel things. But to join Hall and Nash, who were called the Outsiders for a reason, because WCW was selling that they were being invaded by WWF wrestlers, for him to come down turn his back on Macho Man and Sting and Flair. I think it was Flair or Luger at Bash at the Beach in 1996. That was huge. Like, I wish I could... Like, DX had their moments. But DX never had iconic moments, I don't feel like. That was like, oh my gosh, look at what DX is doing. It was like, did you see what DX said last night? Or did you see what DX did? But what the NWO did the first 12 months from Bash of the Beach until the next Bash of the Beach in 2000, in 1997. I keep seeing 2000, 1997. 
I don't think it could be touched, man. I mean, people were tuning in for WCW for this reason, to see what was going to happen with the NWO, who they were going to spray paint, who they were going to attack. I mean, my man, I think it was either Giant or Kevin Nash launched Rey Mysterio into a trailer like a lawn dart. Like, seriously. This is real talk. They're, they're the NWO, best stable. Second question, favorite wrestling era? It's easily the Attitude Era, uh, which may have pretty much started from the time from the night that Vince and Brett and Hefner uh, ran a screwdriver on Brett and went up until I don't know. I'd say Stone Cold's retirement at WrestleMania 19. I guess would be the end of the Attitude Era. Attitude Era, hands down. There's never been a more fun time in wrestling. And because even with what WCW had done in 96 and 97 with the NWO, I mean, the Monday Night Wars was awesome, but there's nothing that beats WWF programming from 98. Well, the screw job, November 97, up until 2003 when Austin retired. Attitude error. Easy. During college, how was the local rap scene in Morgantown? Could it have been better, or was it the time of your life? As some of you may know, I am a rapper. I go by B-hyphen. I'll go ahead and tell the story right now. When I was younger, I decided I wanted to rap, thanks to my friend Matthew, Mateo Spencer, Matthew Spencer, Chivalry. And he said, hey, you should rap. Eventually, he got me to cave. My first song was called Mace Me the Real Thug. I dissed Mace in my first rap because I was the hardest dude out. But seriously... So my rap name was B-Style, like B-S-T-Y-L-E, basketball style, because I love basketball. And then I realized, going through the source one day, I was like, you know what, there's already a C-Style out in California. So you know what, I'm going to change my name from B-Style, in case there's already a B-Style. Well, in some of my raps at that, by that time, I like to write out B-S-T-Y-L-E. And spell out my whole rap name. I liked it so much that I dropped the style. And many will attest, I still have no style. Ha <laughs> ha! And then I became B-Hyphen. And I've been B-Hyphen ever since. So I rap. And I really didn't officially become an honest-to-goodness rapper until 2004 when I released my first mixtape, the Mods Mixtape Volume 3. Volume 3. Mods Mixtape Volume 1. Um, and then I met Eric Jordan Monster Lung. He started putting me on shows. And so the whole rap scene was just like Morgantown just had at that time, hell, even West Virginia hip hop, aside from Morgantown, there was this whole, it was like the, what do you call it? The dark internet where, the, where there's this whole, the dark web. This whole part of the internet that doesn't exist unless you know where to look for it. That's kind of like how West Virginia hip-hop was. Because there was so much talent in the state. And there still is. But at that time, I'm talking 2005, 2006, 2007 through 2008. I'm not trying to say it stopped then, but that was my three most active years in the scene. 
there was this whole dark web of nothing but hip hop talent, and it was right underneath everybody's nose because you had six six two forty, uh, Huntington had Dio Caesar, um, Charleston had Mule, rest in peace. Uh, back up here, Ace Beans was coming up, Johnny Harmonic was coming up, Big Chief. Uh, and Paycheck had already done the 304 recons with Monster Lung and Bearcat um, in 2000 and 2001. They had put out two albums and was working on a third at one point that never got to materialize. But, well, I mean, there is a third recons album, but that was recorded by just uh, Check and Six. So while everything else is going on in town, you know, like with regular radio and stuff, there was this dark web of artists that were super dope that never got their respect. Because the thing is, shout out to Chris Allen. He actually did a show at the Metropolitan Theater on High Street uh, last week or something like that. The only way that Six got on the Metropolitan um, Theater stage back then was he did a a Battle of the Bands show and it was for like a little uh, recording deal. And he ended up losing in the final to somebody else. WVU, still to this day, will not play. Well, they they don't do local artists. Unless it's an event that E is involved with, where he's bringing an artist in. They still don't do local artists. Um, So you won't ever see. The only local artist WVU has ever put on is Huey Mack. And he was actually born in Morgantown. His stepfather, or ex-stepfather now, was working for VAQ, uh, WVAQ, that's the radio station in Morgantown, and, or did work for him. He had connections. Huey also knew those connections. And Huey started doing the mixtapes, I'd say seven years ago, eight years ago. Got a little traction, got his song on the radio popular, and then Snoop and Wiz came to town and here we opened up for him at the Coliseum. That's the only West Virginia act that has ever performed on a big, um, for WVU like that. Now, D.Y., a guy from Charleston, who actually, um, he has several, another friend of mine, he has several, uh, he has an EP out, he has a mixtape, one of those mixtape slash album deals out. Uh, he hasn't put out anything new in a while because he's like retooling now. I think he's going to go by his given name, David Morris, and has something up his sleeve coming up. We'll see as the months, uh, as the coming months go by. Um, he also had a show at the Metropolitan Theater, but he opened up for Kendrick, like literal Kendrick Lamar, at the Met, Met Theater, which is pretty huge. And no one had ever done that at the time. But WVU wouldn't mess with any local rap acts. And hell, any local musicians, period, still. And WVAQ, other than that one time with Huey, they only supported Six in certain situations, those being when Six took Welcome to Atlanta, the instrumental, and made it into Welcome to West Virginia, Lacey Neff, or RIP, would play that on VAQ. And then when the Gold and the Blue came out in 2006, they would play the Gold and the Blue. And then they never messed with Welcome to Hugstown too much. But And then the other one was Dub V Clap, 
they played that a little bit on the radio. But if it wasn't West Virginia related, VAQ never really showed uh, Sound Vision or 6'6", any love or anything like that. But it was amazing, Tom, to be involved with it. I feel like there, the problem that we had was we found out there was a whole bunch of us all at once, but we all wanted to do our own shit. So instead of us, which is fine, but like there should have been a point in time where we all got behind six because six was in Morgantown at that time. I felt like if if we had been able, myself included, to put our own egos aside and really push six and sound vision as a whole versus us thinking about ourselves so much. I feel like six could have blown. And if you go to iTunes right now and look up Mr. Dub V, which is six, six's second album, check out all his music though, his second album and listen to Mr. Dub V from start to finish. That album was recorded in 2006 and it came out in early 2007. The problem is the budget for the album that, that the sound vision had saved had been spent on other things like actual promotional stuff, and especially once the Golden Blue took off, the per, the per, uh, the budget for that album was spent by the time it was time for the album to come out. So there was no money to really properly push Mr. Dub V. But Mr. Dub V would have easily put six on the map. There's so many singles on this album dog there's so many dope roms on this album there's no reason he should not have blown up off of that but the lack of money is the only reason he didn't so i don't feel like it could have been better other than us not being so selfish and honestly it was the time of my life man i miss those days so much where i had a show every week damn near and all I worried about was recording music instead of focusing on my grades. But it was awesome. I loved every minute of it. On a previous pod, you said you wanted to record, but you don't have time to work with producers you like. Has this changed, or have you thought of or tried making beats for yourself? Yes, I have thought of trying to make beats for myself. I have access to programs that can make beats. I just don't have... I have the ideas in my head, but I don't have the time to execute them. So I really haven't ever tried to produce a real track for myself other than the couple joints I have out there, like Familiar Ringtone, that I chopped up a Jodeci sample on, um, and a couple other things. I feel, I feel like I maybe kind of did something with, but really familiar ringtone is the only one that I felt like was all mine. But all I did was literally chop up, um, can we flow from the show, the hotel, the after party, uh, Jodeci album that came out in 95, chopped up a part, looped it, and then chopped the chorus and put it in the song a couple times. That's all I did, but that's my only production credit. I have, however, since I said that on the pod about, not having time to record my produ- um, work with producers I liked. I have said, I have now discovered 
that that may be changing because I actually recorded a song the day before my birthday last month on January 21st with Monster Long, and it's ready to go. And he's actually thinking of a video treatment for it now. So maybe some things have changed. Maybe you're going to hear some new behavior music on the podcast real soon. Most overrated rapper, or who's a rap rapper you could never get into that people loved? Big Crit. I've never been able to get with Big Crit. I don't know what it is. My first, I was always like, oh, he sounds like Pimp C. What she does. I saw him live when he came to Morgantown a few years ago. J. Cole and Big Sean. Not Big Sean. Uh, Tyga. And it was cool. But. I'd say it's Big Crit. Um, I thought Chance was kind of like that, ironically enough, because like I, I may, I tried to mention last podcast. I don't know if I got to it before I was nodding off and going, blah, 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 blah. uh, I turned on acid rap one day while I was washing dishes. I heard the first song and I turned it off because his voice is immediately annoying. But the only reason I can't mess with Crit is because his voice. If I don't like a rapper's voice, I can't listen to it. There's somebody else out there who I can't think of right now, who has a really annoying voice as well. And I can't listen to their stuff either. But that's the only, it's not even his voice annoys me. It's just, I can't get into his, his, uh, it just doesn't do anything for me. So big crit for that one. Sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie? Both. I'm going to say pumpkin pie. But I do love sweet potato pie. Both. Let's just go both. Tell me why Die Hard isn't the greatest Christmas movie ever. I really can't from a male perspective because Die Hard is the greatest uh, Christmas movie ever because it takes place on Christmas. This is an action movie and it's perfect in every way. So there's no reason for me to tell you that Die Hard isn't the greatest Christmas movie ever. But if it's my choice and I don't want to watch action movie, then I'm going to I'm going to pick an actual Christmas movie and then it'd probably be Home Alone or A Christmas Story. But I I can't take anything away from those out there who argue that uh what you call it I can't even think of what it's called Die Hard is it the greatest uh Christmas movie ever? What's your hottest slash most ridiculous sports take for the rest of the football season? Well, football season is over, but at this time I would have said the Oakland Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl because I was fully convinced. I was fully convinced, because he wrote this email a month before Derek Carr broke his leg. Fully convinced that the Raiders were going to win the Super Bowl. Fully convinced. I had all, everything was in line. If Derek hadn't broke his leg, I still say we would have beat the Patriots in Foxborough and won the Super Bowl last Sunday. Just saying. Most overrated pizza topping. I said I'd keep the questions as random as possible. Most overrated pizza topping. You know what? I don't like meats. Like any kind of, uh, we're going to throw all these meats on your pizza. Uh, Like hamburger, beef, uh, ham. I can do ham and pineapple. But don't just throw random ham on my pizza. So I'm going to say ground beef. 
sometimes bacon too. I love bacon, but you can't throw bacon in the middle of all that other stuff. It, it just takes away from the bacon. Are you really quitting fantasy football? Yes. For a year. I'm retiring for a year. Because fam, fam, I got five, five fantasy football championships under my belt. I won the league. I won Gridiron Conglomerate. I won Elite Talent in 14. I won Gridiron Conglomerate in 15. And I won Elite Talent way back in 07. I got five rings. I'm looking forward, the more I think about it, to sitting down on Sunday and watching Red Zone and not having fancy football have anything to do with it. So, yes, at this moment, I'm really quitting. Fan- I'm really taking a year off still. Thanks for promoting the blog. I truly appreciate it. Enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Marcus Robinson, my dude. So, going to move right along here. I got to turn on my data. I'm at 7%. My data's low. All right, looking at the hyphen nation number 30 questions, Facebook group chat. First question, Michael Lamarick, when will you have pics of the lab? Which I guess he means the basement where I record in. I could take pictures now. At the time you sent this, which was uh, December 16th, I had boxes everywhere still. Um, I could take pictures now. I'd really like to wait a little bit so I can truly decorate and get some of the other books off the floor. They're sitting by my bookcase. So uh, I will take pictures soon, Michael. Mike, Mike, and I will uh, post them on behyphen.com, which is now on Medium. Go figure. Eric Greenlee, two-time guest. Are the Clippers for real? No, the Clippers are not for real. And I will tell you first and foremost why. Chris Paul is trash. That's right. Everybody's like, oh, Chris Paul's the greatest point guard in the NBA. He's so nice. I ain't like Chris Paul at Wake Right, wait. Wake Forest? Am I wrong? I think he went to Wake Forest. I'm probably wrong. Or wherever wherever Chris Paul was at, he started getting accolades in college. Didn't like him then. Goes to the Hornets. It's like, whatever. He's down in New Orleans. Who cares? Watched him a few times. Saw the stat line. Saw the highlights on SportsCenter before it became a, a talk show with uh, the show focusing more on the host. No, that's not a diss to Van Pelt. Kind of a diss to Jamel and Michael. I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to check. I'm going to check it out, though. But here's the thing. I lost complete respect for Chris Paul at this moment, and I kind of had the same problem with Melo. When he wanted out of New Orleans, he went through this thing where he was constantly saying, I, uh, like the trade rumors, everybody's like, oh, the rumor is you went out of New Orleans. The rumor is you went out of New Orleans. Blah, 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 blah. And he'd be like, uh, well, whatever management decides, I'm cool with. Trying to be all diplomatic about it. I get it, but I don't. Because you know what, Chris Paul? If you're unhappy, say you're unhappy. Don't sit there and be a little political, like, thing about trying to make fans mad in New Orleans 
or whatever, whatever you were doing, like, ah, uh, like I would constantly watch this dude. I feel like it was, uh, 2008 whenever he got traded right before he got traded to the Lakers that didn't go through and then he ended up getting traded to the Clippers I feel like I watched him so many times deny that he wanted to get traded deny the rumors I don't want to leave I love New Orleans blah 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 and Melo did the same shit in Denver oh, I don't want to leave it's up to management I really love Denver and then he finally got shit to New York and now Melo's more manning up where he's like whatever they want to do uh I just want to play basketball. Like he's kind of taking it, taking it, uh, taking it more to be a man approach about it. But I hated that whole thing that he did. That he was just always constantly denying he wanted to be traded. Then he gets to the Clippers. Lob City happens. Three one. They're an original three one. Everybody's forgotten because of the of the Warriors. They were up 3-1 on the Rockets in the conference semis in 2015. They blew a 3-1 lead to the Rockets and didn't go to Eastern Confer- the Western Conference Finals where Chris Paul has never been. Chris Paul is not a winner. Chris Paul is trash. He just, he's a good playmaker. He's a decent leader. He has an attitude problem. He's not a winner. No, the Clippers aren't for real. As long as Chris Paul's on that team, the Clippers ain't shit. What team do you feel, in all sorts, is a team we're forced to like? The Green Bay Packers. First one that came to mind. Uh, the Warriors kind of were like that before the finals and before KD. But the Packers, I really I really don't, other than unless they're in your division, if you're in the NFC Central, I really don't feel like I run into too many people who don't like the Packers. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, well, if I got you, I'm going to pick the Packers. You know? Because um, even the Spurs, people don't like the Spurs still. Didn't like them when they were uh, battling Miami those two years in a row in the finals. Um, Maybe the Penguins a little bit and the, and the Pirates in baseball. But that's just because local, locally I deal with a lot of that. Uh, Penguins in hockey, the Pirates in baseball. I felt like the Cubs kind of had that, but now they're champions, so that's going to go away. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else that I can think of. No? No, I think that's it. So off the top of my head, Mike, uh, that was Michael Lamarique again. The Green Bay is a team that we're forced to like. Gary, Gary Wolf, does his outfit make does his outfit make my butt look too big? No, the answer is always no, Gary. Eric, could you explain what makes pro wrestling so great? Yes, I can. I was gracious enough to invite one of my coworkers, two of my coworkers, to come watch the Royal Rumble at my house a couple Sundays ago. One of them accepted, and he came. He had a good time. The other one. I'm not coming to watch that fake, that fake, uh, that fake crap. No way. Immediately, I'm offended. One, because I invited you to my house to share in some camaraderie with me and my friends and hang out and have a good time, which should have been your first concern. Two, you completely went the route with wrestling that I hate. It's fake. It's fake. Wrestling's fake. Why do you watch that? 
my dad even does it a little bit where he's like, wrestling's fake. Why do you want, like, it's so fake. But he watches it still. But that's my dad. He got me into wrestling. He kind of, he, he, he gets it. He just likes to complain about it being fake. Um, the thing that makes pro wrestling so great for me, especially WWE wrestling, and the main thing that I complain about, which uh, I complained about a few years ago when I wrote promos by Hyphen, my uh, wrestling column, is the stories. I love the athleticism. I love the characters. Sometimes I love a character a little too much. CCM Punk. See Randy Orton. Shout out to Randy for winning the Rumble for the second time. But it's all about the stories that are told in the ring and outside the ring and how we got here. When WWE was on that shortcut shit all the time where it's like they would switch people around and not have longer feuds, that annoyed me. Feuds is what makes pro wrestling. People like to see people at a people's throats that's why with certain boxing cards when they announce a fight eight months out they are building a feud these two rap these two fighters have nothing to do with each other and yet because they know they're fighting they have to find this aggression from somewhere to go after this person other than I love this sport and I'm going to go out there boxing any kind of physical uh sport where you have to put hands on another person is not just about going out there for the love of the game like it is with uh uh basketball football hockey yada 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 even though football and hockey you put your hands on you know what I mean you have to get worked up somehow you have to get psyched up. You got to be ready. Like, I want I want to beat this person. Why? And back in the days with boxing, especially once Muhammad Ali, well, not even before Ali, like, these guys would, even, like, through little newspaper clips, clippings or whatever, they would find ways to get under each other's skin leading up to the fight, so they legit wanted to punch each other in the face by the time the fight came. That's the exact thing, same thing that WWE offers. Sure, it's on a grander, sometimes more ridiculous scale, but I'm in it for the actual fight and the feuding. That's what it's all about for me. No other question. I love to see the culmination of a good feud. We're going to see a culmination of two good feuds at WrestleMania. We're going to see the implosion of the Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho friendship at WrestleMania when they finally fight each other. And we're going to get Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Spoilers, in case you don't know, that's what I've heard, but that's the route they're going. On top of that, you're getting Goldberg and you're going to get Brock 3 with the belt involved. Brock's lost three times, twice to Goldberg, once in a humiliating fashion, and then he got dumped out of Royal Real quick by Goldberg. Goldberg has his number. Brock is now the underdog for the first time in his WWE career. There is so much drama in the LBC when it comes to Brock Goldberg. And it's all because of the way they built the feud. Pro wrestling is so good because of the feuds. This is why I can't get into UFC regularly. Because with UFC, it's just not the same. 
with UFC. They schedule a fight on the card. They kind of talk shit up leading up to it like McGregor does. Or people taking shots at Rousey before she got beaten in her face a couple times. And then it's like, oh, here's the weigh-ins. Let's get at each other's face. Yeah, we're bad at each other now because we're weighing it. Like, come on. I'm not taking anything away from UFC. It's clearly a real fight. But their lack of feuds, even when they fight each other multiple times, it's like, yeah, but they... It's not the same. It's just not. So that's why pro wrestling is so good, Eric. Bane and his troops versus Negan and his troops and the Dark Knight Rises Gotham inhabited by walkers. Who wins? Depends how hard that Bane mask is. Because Bane's going to overtake, because it's really going to come down to Negan and Bane. All the flunkies and stuff are going to have at each other, whatever, have to deal with walkers. I feel like Bane would get caught by walkers sooner than Negan, because Negan seems to have his uncanny ability to survive. So, I got to say, Maybe it's just because Negan is my favorite thing about The Walking Dead right now. And I'm not excited at all for it to come back on Sunday. And that makes me a little sad. I gotta say, it's Negan. Negan would definitely at least survive. I think Bane goes down, Negan wins. I know you love Bane, Eric. I know you do, bro. But, I don't know. I feel like the, the size will, I think a walker will catch him slipping. Because they've never, we've never dealt with anybody that is Bane size and the on the actual Walking Dead show. I feel like his size would get him. And if it was Negan and Bane in a a fair fight with no walkers around, I think Bane wins. I don't think Lucille gets through it. I don't think Lucille wins today. But if it literally is Bane side versus Negan side, whose side's going to live? I'm going to say Negan side because Bane's going to go down. And then without their leader, they all fall apart. The saviors, I feel like, have this mentality that Negan's given them to replace him. To replace him if anything ever happened to him. So there's that. So I feel like if Negan went down, somebody would be like, Negan's dead. I am Negan. And it would just go on and so forth. Top five in Marvel, top five DC, top five other. Michael Lamarique. I hope I'm saying your name right. I don't think it's Lamarique. Watch it be Lamarique and I just messed up your name. Uh, top five Marvel. Spidey. Cap. Cap. Cap's jumped. Thing. Thing's definitely top three. Ooh. Cyclops. Doom. Top five. Top five, top five, top five. So Spider-Man, Captain America, The Thing, uh, Cyclops, Doctor Doom. DC, Batman. 
Tim Drake, Red Robin, the third Robin. Green Lantern. Going to go with Hal. Four in DC. It's another toughie. Green Arrow. And that's I have not watched a lick of Arrow, so it has nothing to do with it. Five. Wally West Flash. So, Batman, Tim Drake, Robin, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, Green Arrow, and Wally West Flash. Top five DC. Top five other... Um, I have to admit that I'm not well-versed in other comic books like I should be in other universes. Um, I did enjoy Spawn a little bit. I like Savage Dragon too, though. Um, if we're still talking comic books, I gotta say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles still would be top in comic books easily. Um, I'll just do top five comic books outside of Marvel DC. Um, Vertigo counts. Uh, Mirage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, Powers, uh, the early stuff. Um, Why the Last Man. Fables is up there. I have not read enough Fables. And, uh... Try to think of one more comic series that I liked. Um, back in the day. Yeah, I'm not up on my comic book series. Let's just say, uh... Not Criminal. Oh, there's this book by, book by uh, Ed Brubaker. That's super... Sleeper! Sleeper! So, top five titles outside of Marvel DC. Vertigo counts. Will wrestling ever not be racist? <sighs> From Day Bracy. I'm actually listening to Day Bracy on the Drinking Partners podcast right now as I rolled up. It was episode 30 something. Uh, it's coming up real quick. 30. Oh, it paused at the hat. 37. Live at Black Forge. Coffee House with Derek Mento and Ian Insect. <laughs> Ian Insect. I didn't catch that. I feel like the New Day's come along has done a lot for wrestling for WWE in the past since they've been formed. I really hope that now that their run with the tag team titles is over and they won't get them for a little bit again as long as they stay together. I really hope that someone in creative sees that they need to put either the WWE the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship on one of those brothers. It, it's not going to be... Uh, what's his face? Not Apollo. Titus. Titus ruined his shot. They've tried to push him so many times, and that whole thing, McMahon last year, really tanked his career. And he can't talk on the mic. Um, I think there will be. I don't think it's going to happen for another five years, though. 
there's so many other people that they want to push. It should have happened with Lashley. Lashley was the closest we got. And they only gave him the ECW championship. And then I think he got hurt. And I think he test, uh, he failed a wellness test. And he was hurt. And they eventually let him go. Blah, blah, blah. And now he's like a three-time uh, TNA champion. Go figure. Lashley was our best chance of a dude that looks like somebody Vince would put the belt on. And it just didn't work out. Uh, anybody else, though, that has a chance? I really like to see Kofi win it or Big E. No, I, I can't say I think I can think of anybody else who has a legitimate shot. Rich Swan is okay, I guess. I'm not I mean he's decent, but he's in the cruiserweight division and hopefully with Neville having the cruiserweight championship now and uh what's his face? Uh Austin Aries coming back very soon. That division really get its feet under underneath it. Uh so as far as champions being champions, no. As far as them being blatantly racist like Crom Tom, I feel like that might be past them. But sometimes New Day does get a little, uh, just a little, uh, what's the word? Uh, soft shoe a little bit, maybe? I don't think they do it intentionally, but sometimes I feel like they're slipping into it. Uh, so there's that. But uh, that's more on them on their act and kind of like that whole thing with Chappelle where the pixie sketch, they, the white people weren't laughing with him. They're laughing at him. So that's a fine line to trade with them sometimes. So eventually no, but as long as there's never been a major black champion, they're, they're still racist. And Booker T should have beat triple H at WrestleMania at WrestleMania 19. If the New Day travel back in time to the pinnacle WWF era, subjective to which you think is the best era of WWF, WWE, who would they recruit and who would they fight? Well, easily that'd be the Attitude Era. And then essentially what they would do is they would bring in all, they'd continue to bring in more of the black uh, characters that are around. So it'd be most of the uh, nation cast-offs, uh, nation domination. So you get D'Lo, you would get the Godfather, uh, you would get... Farouk. Um, so you you would that's who they should bring in is more more blacks into it. Get Mark Henry in there, recruit them. Yeah, and yes, I'm just rehashing the nation domination. But then eventually you can be like, all right, throw the rock in there. So that that's what I'm thinking. That that'd be the best time because going back to the '80s is ridiculous for them. Because who they got? Junkyard, <laughs> and then who else? crickets uh i would like to see uh ahmed johnson with the new day though but i feel like him and biggie's uh sets powers power sets are very similar too oh and of course they would just feud with the big names back then i mean they would mess with austin the corporation the ministry they'd be going after all of them Uh, okay. Looking for the next question. Michael, if you could take an Attitude Era story and character and bring it to current wrestling, whose would it be and who would be the best heel? That's a good one. 
That's a real good one. I mean, two spring to mind immediately. Three, honestly. Shawn Michaels as a heel from like 96, 97. Shawn Michaels back to now. He would easily be the best heel. Nobody liked Shawn Michaels in it. Nobody would really be able to stand him now. You think Roman Reigns get booed out of the building now? Shawn Michaels would really get booed out, booed out of the building. They would throw shit at Shawn. Shawn had this uncanny ability to get under people's skin. And in 1995, 96, 97, people would just be like, oh, boo, Shawn Michaels. But people as sensitive as they are in 2017, Shawn Michaels, hands down. What from your childhood lost its magic, but you still cherish? Ah, uh, Transformers. I used to love Transformers, and I, I loved the first and third movies. Second one's eh, fourth one I haven't seen. But then going back and looking at some of the cartoons and stuff, it I realized just how I did, like, I've tried. And just, I don't know, it doesn't have the same appeal. And I loved the Transformers as a kid. Loved them. But it hadn't... It, I still cherish the Transformers and my memories of them. The Transformers movie, though, is still dope. The cartoon movie is still dope. The TV series, I can't get with. So it's lost its magic, but I still cherish it. Besides Prince, name two actors and musicians who have had a major impact on your life. Easy. Jay-Z. Stevie Wonder. Actors... God, I'm so. I have actors I like. Will Smith, because I've damn near seen everything he's done. Uh, and Denzel, I guess. Jay Z, obviously, because in my eyes, he's the greatest rapper of all time. Huge fan of his. And his work just speaks for itself when it comes to him. Same with Stevie Wonder, one of the greatest songwriters, singer-songwriters of all time. The man won, what, four straight Grammys or three straight Grammys? I think three straight Grammys, took a year off. Paul Simon won a Grammy. Then he came back and won another Grammy with, uh, oh, I can't, I think of it. I can see the album cover right in front of me. It's the joint with Sir Duke on it. Because there's inner visions, music of my mind. Oh, I hate myself right now. Not coming to me. But that's easily. Uh, and then Denzel. There's nothing he can't do. He's perfect on screen and everything. And then Will Smith, because he went from a rapper all the way on this side to one of the most respected actors in Hollywood, despite the fact that he played himself in at least 15 of his own movies. I mean, I, I just really, really enjoy his work. I think it's really awesome. I, I'm, But it's true, though. He, he totally played himself in so many films and got away with it. I'm getting pictures from my coworkers because I'm not at work right now. Obviously, I'm recording podcasts. They're giving me crap about leaving early. I love it, though. <laughs> Dorks. Give us an I could have died right there, but Jesus took the wheel story. 
I think I told this before. If not, tell me, and I will hash it out in a later episode. That would be Birthday Bash 4, where I blacked out uh, walking around downtown uh, Morgantown, going to get hot dogs from the hot dog man, and then somehow I managed to pass out um, on Willie Street, and I got yanked up by a cop, and it was either go to jail and sober up or go to ambulance sober up, and I somehow... uh, took over managed to talk my way into having angel come pick me up instead and that's what happened i mean i could have died though because i mean i literally passed out on my feet hit the ground had easily i had a concussion i still have a, a dent in my skull from and a scar on my head from where i hit the ground i could have busted my head open and bled out on my birthday uh if if nobody told me. So that could have happened. You've saved the world. What is your theme song at your parade? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Shout out to Eric. Michael and Eric were killing this, these questions. Um... You know what? It's going to be Triple H's music. I'm not even lying. I'm not even lying. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Yeah, that... Triple H's music. That could change another time, though. That's just what I'm feeling in the moment. What would be the most irredeemable quality someone could have? Uh, they're attracted to kids, I guess. That's not forgivable. <laughs> There's no coming back from that. But like, hey, man, like I had a really good time hanging out with you. Yeah, me too, man. Uh, like, yeah, we've been hanging out all night, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you know I'm going home looking at some child porn. Like, what? Huh? Like, yeah, I, I don't do anything. Like, I'm not attracted to adults. I'm only attracted to children. So I'm going to go home and look at some child porn and... Uh, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, irredeemable. I know if you had to choose between your wife or daughter, your wife would throw herself away. But what do you think is the one thing she would want you, her, she would want her to grow up to remember? About my wife? About Angel? I'm going to take a page out of, uh, today's society's playbook, and I'm going to say on this one, uh, she persisted is what it is because that whole thing happened Elizabeth Warren getting Elizabeth Warren getting silenced the other night I'm going to say she persisted because Angel is one of the most persistent dedicated loyal women I've ever met in my life and I'm glad every single day I wake up that she's my wife and in my life so that would be the one thing I would want Aaliyah to know if Angel wasn't here how great her mother was and how she always persisted and always made sure that she got things done that needed to be done even when no one wanted to help her so that would be it what is your superpower telepathy i mean not tele uh telepathy uh if i can i'm gonna say teleporting because i hate riding in the car and teleporting can go anywhere you want to so teleporting and then the other thing would have to be uh if i if i teleporting is not really like it's cool but it's like 
how do I, f I don't know. Teleporting and, um, just, just break me off with, uh, some, uh, just give me a power ring. Teleporting and a power ring. I'll be good. I'll be killing it. And that was from Michael again. Good job, guys. Anthony sent in a, sent in a question here. Reference from the movie The Town and Lex and Terry Show. You found out some people did something they deserve for retribution. You walk into your friend's place and say, I need your help. I can't tell you what it is. You never asked me about it, and you can never ask me about it later, and we're going to hurt some people. Friend says, who's driving? Who of all the ones in this group you're asking for the help from, and who from this group would be the most likely to be hurt? Uh, most likely to be hurt would be me. I mean, seriously. But who would I get to go with me? Like, no questions asked. I'm going to pick three. I'd say Eric Jordan. Uh, it's either a tie between Greenlee and Lamarique, just because they seem like some down-for-anything dudes. Uh, so, tie between them, whoever answers their phone first. And then I'd say uh, Derek Ferguson. I'm going to say Derek Ferguson because Derek is old school. And also a great writer and a great podcaster. But he's old school. And I, I would want that old school mentality coming along with me. Because I'll have, I'll have a lot of veteran leadership. Because I'll have me. I'll have uh, Eric Jordan. I'll have Derek. And then I'll have uh, Eric Greenlee. Or I'll have uh, Mike Lamarique with me. So that's who. But I'd easily be the one to be hurt first. But if I had to pick somebody else who would be hurt that's in this group. Uh... Uh, probably you, Anthony. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Um, I don't think I can see all the members right now. My phone's at 2%. I, I, I'd probably say it'd be Anthony. Okay. Two more questions. Are the Clippers for real? No. <laughs> can I claim episode 35 is my own? Michael. We'll see. I don't see why not. I mean, that's a couple episodes away. Yeah, let's do it. Episode 35, Mike, you're going to be on the show. So uh, let's make that happen, bro. We'll figure it out. When I get close, we'll figure out a day and time and Skype it up. Anthony had one other question in here. It says, which Transformer do you most associate or do you associate most with? Optimus Prime. But then also some Rodimus Prime, too, because I felt I feel like in Transformers movie, Hot Rod did a lot of maturing. And I feel like over the years I've done a lot of maturing as well, where I've went from the brash knucklehead Hot Rod to the more mature version Rodimus Prom. So I'm gonna say Hot Rod actually from uh, the movie though. I don't know, care what happened in the animated series after the movie. I think that's it though. That that's all the questions right there. I'm at two percent. Let's see if we can't wrap this bad boy up. I don't know. Oh, it loaded. All right, 2%. So this is Marcus Robinson's letter uh, that he sent regarding episode 29. I, I don't know if he asked too many questions, but I'm going to read it in full here, and then we'll wrap it up and see if my phone lives. Hey, fam. Enjoyed listening to the pod this morning. Keep up the great work. I wanted to write, write just to reach out because I know what you were feeling when you were discussing initially having an uneasiness with seeing hidden figures 
hidden fingers, hidden figures in the theater, and how there were certain moments in the movie where white folk were laughing, but it didn't feel like the most appropriate thing to be doing. The example that you brought up when Siraji was going back and forth between the bathrooms is spot on. I'll admit, even though I greatly like hidden figures, they did sort of Disney-fied some of the racism that they went through. Like, how are you going to be black in the South in the 50s and not get called the N-word a dozen times a day, right? So it felt like you... I felt like you at first. It was humorous seeing Taraji go back and forth between the campuses the first time. But each time she had to go back, I felt the weight of what that really meant. NASA, a place that has the great brightest Americans, wouldn't even let her share a damn bathroom. By the third time they did the cutaway to her sprinting in the bathroom, I could feel myself getting mad. The thing with seeing a movie like Hidden Fingers, shoot, Hidden Figures in a place like Morgantown is that you really don't know if people, aka white people, truly understand or emphasize with what's being shown. By the end of the movie, segregation is over and the credits show how the accomplishments show the accomplishments of the women. But does the white audience truly understand why the movie or their lives were important? Sometimes white people use these movies like a pat on the back, congratulating themselves and saying, look, we aren't like our grandparents or we aren't like these Southerners in the 50s. They don't go beyond the surface is a typical white savior movies now hidden figures definitely isn't that but movies like that and our stories can change perceptions of what black folks are capable of duly noted on all that i agree with all that uh marcus also acid rap was too trippy for me i listened to her three times but i just didn't resonate with me i did love chance three aka coloring book though and his contributions to the life of pablo especially ultralight beam and waves i don't know if he's overrated or not as a rapper, personally, don't think he's one of the best out, at least top 10, 15, but he's one of the best out now at making music. If Run the Jewels came out this month instead of December, Coloring Book would have been my vote for Best Rap Album 2016. Definitely overviews by a large margin. But I won't keep you any longer. Keep up the great work with the pod. I'll continue to be a proud sponsor. Salute. So... Again, Marcus is a proud sponsor of the Hyphenation Podcast, the world's greatest podcast. Check out the M-A-R-C Rob rob.wordpress.com for all his great writing. I do want to comment on the Chance thing. Um, Chance is currently my favorite rapper out. I He got a bunch of Grammy noms unsigned, which is unprecedented. I don't think he's the best out lyrically. He doesn't move me in that way. And as I've gotten older, I've, I tend to listen to lyrics I want to say a little less, unless it's Kendrick. Or, I mean, nah, that's a lie. I do listen to lyrics, though. Kendrick Lamar is hands down the best rapper alive right now. I tweeted this last last week, actually, that Kendrick was the best rapper alive. Because I just went back and re-listened to Pimp, a Butterf- to Pimp a Butterfly. And he made that album, like, two years early. Because everything he saw on that album, I feel right now, under all the changes that's happened in our government since January 20th. Kendrick Lamar is the best rapper alive. But Chance is the best. Chance makes me feel the best right now. Chance's music makes me happy. Chance's music puts me in a good mind space. Chance's music does what happens whenever I hear Jay-Z's voice touch a microphone. That's why Chance is my favorite rapper right now. Little known fact and an embarrassing fact. I have not listened to Run the Jewels 1, 2, or 3. In fact, I'd even say I have not heard one Run the Jewels song. I am planning on rectifying this, but I've never listened to Run the Jewels. Can't win them all, I guess. But that's it. I mean, my phone's barely hanging on, which is cool. I'm going to go ahead and turn off power saving. 
throw that bad boy in ultra power saving mode, and then let my 2% live. Hopefully I didn't miss any questions. I hope I answered them all thoroughly and y'all don't feel gypped. I mean, we're at an hour and 11 minutes, man. I mean, we've, we've done pretty good for ourselves. As a little short man comes walking in his sunglasses. Is he going to come to my, my car? No, he's in this green truck next to me. Isn't he? Yep, he sure is. He's got to clean his shit off. Ha <laughs> ha. But yeah, while he cleans off his car, I just want to say thank you guys. 30 episodes in. 31 is ready to go. I just got to sit down and record it. Like topic-wise, I mean. Thank you for all your questions. I hope to do this and maybe we'll do it again around 50. I think, well, 50, I think Angel's definitely going to be on that. If I don't have Angel on the show before 50, 50 is definitely reserved for her. And uh, maybe we'll do another Q&A uh, episode. I don't know, 55 or 60. Maybe we'll do it every 30 episodes. Something like that. But I appreciate all the questions. Shout out to Eric and Anthony and Mike for sending me all the questions. And Gary, again, if they ever ask if those pants make your butt look too big, always say no. It's a trap. Uh, Resist, resist, resist. And let's get into it, man. So... Hyphen Nation, the world's greatest podcast, can be found at b-hyphen.com slash hyphen dash nation. I'm having a little bit of issues with my uh, domain name getting approved over Medium. So it'll take you, if you type that in, it'll probably just take you to the front page of b-hyphen.com. But there's a link at the top. It says hyphen nation. Click it and you're good to go. I promise. Um, oh, my power is getting low. How much time I got? Oh, 15 minutes. That should be good. Uh, yeah, you can find the podcast right there at behyphen.com. Check out behyphen.com on behyphen.com. Check out Hyphen Nation on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, and share it. Uh, if you do all those things, more people will get uh, will listen to the podcast, which means uh, more people will find out how great the world's greatest podcast is. Yeah. Also, Hyphen Nation is on Stitcher. If you go to behyphen.com and go to the podcast central link at the top of the page, you will find the RSS feed, the feed burner link. You can put Hyphen Nation and see your favorite podcast, listen to Vice, and listen to all the episodes. And Hyphen Nation is also available on Google Play and on YouTube at youtube.com slash hyphen. So that's how you find the show. If you want to get in contact with me, you can check me out on Twitter at B hyphen on Facebook at facebook.com slash resilient redundancies. Uh, that's the official Facebook uh, page of Kellen Conley and hyphen nation, or you can just get, get at me the old fashioned way. Hit me up on the email, B H Y P H E N at gmail.com B hyphen at gmail.com. Marcus took advantage of that email twice. In the past couple months. Why don't you join in? Maybe I'll read your letter on the show. Um, I need to make a note. Um, Eric actually. Eric Greenlee actually left a couple comments. On I believe. A previous episode. If I didn't read his early, uh, one from a previous episode. He definitely left a comment about. Uh, Topanga. The actress who played. The actor who plays Topanga. Why am I drawing a blank? Danielle Fischel. 
she actually replied back to him a few years ago on Twitter. And I'm mad jealous because I love Danielle Fischel. Here's a project for y'all. Here's a recommendation. I don't even know if I have recommendations. I'm going to see if I can't make it in there before my phone dies. Come on, phone. We can do this. All right. Power saving mode. Docs. Hey, I said power save. You're not power saving. Oh, I just turned it off. I'm going to kill my phone trying to get the Google Docs. Stop playing with me. Let's see. Recommendations. Oh, I listened to Lemonade. Finally. And I will begrudgingly admit that Lemonade is a really good album. It's not my favorite Beyonce album. I prefer uh, her self-titled album or for or Dangerously in Love myself. But Lemonade is good, despite her taking constant shots at Hove for like the first six tracks. Um, So, whatever. Um, Also listen to her sister Solange's album, A Seat at the Table, which is actually a much better album than Lemonade. So I highly recommend... Uh, Solange is a seat at the table. Master P hosts the album. It narrates the album. It's pretty fucking cool. Uh, so definitely a seat at the table. And then I sat down and I actually finally watched all of Miss Congeniality um, all the way through. And you know me and my... My phone died. Okay, you know me and my terrible movie taste. I watched Miss Congeniality all the way through. I'd seen a lot of the end. I never watched the whole movie. If you... Just want something to watch. And you know what? Sandra Bullock is is a bad bitch. And I hate to say it like that, but she is. I love Sandra Bullock. Can't wait for this Ocean's Eleven remake to come out. Ocean's 8. Because I have a feeling it's going to be dope. And you know what? If you don't think Sandra Bullock is bad, turn on the blind side for a second and see her with blonde hair and then see me if you don't think she's bad. Yeah. Uh, Miss Congeniality is my recommendation. Uh, for movie recommendation. Now, I was going to recommend something else. And now it might be all gone because I was running my mouth. Oh, Daniel Fischel. Here's your homework. Childish Gambino put out a short film prior to releasing his second album because of the internet in uh, 2013. In 2013. It was called Clapping for the Wrong Reasons. I believe it's 30 minutes long or so. And it's really just a bunch of scenes set at Chris Bosch's, uh, I believe, Miami house that he let them use the film. It's him and his homies around the mansion, sometimes making music, sometimes hanging out, having uh, conversations and stuff. It makes no sense what happens in the film. It kind of goes along. It's a lead in into what happens um, with the Because the Internet script or screenplay, and on the actual album because of the internet. Um, but there's a scene on there where Danielle Fischel is talking to Childish Gambino, and they're under some kind of fruit tree talking, uh, just back and forth. And she tells him about these two crazy dreams she had. And I have to say, my God, that's a sexy woman right there. Sorry, Angel. I'd still take you over to Topanga if that makes you feel any better. But probably not. So I'll probably get yelled at if she ever hears that. Like, why why are you talking about Topanga Lawrence on over me? That's not how she talks. I really need to, I'm gonna I gotta have to, I have to perfect an angel voice where it's not her actual voice of how she talks. 
Because I feel like I'm mocking her all the time. Is this... There's a couple behind my car right now. I think he's about to poop behind my car. They look very loving, though. Anyway, that's what happens when you're in law school parking lot. Maybe I need to go back to Kroger. Check out clapping for the wrong reasons. Miss Congeniality. A seat at the table. And if you really want to, I guess you can check out Lemonade. I'm so thankful that her pregnant with twins self did not come out at the Super Bowl when Lady Gaga busted out telephone. Shout out to Lady Gaga, though. Anyway, y'all. Y'all know the motto. Resist. Persist. This has been Hyphenation, the world's greatest podcast. I am Kellen Conley, and until next time, thanks, y'all. Thank you.